Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app, this is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on Boston Sports Original WEEI. All right, welcome in. Rough one for your Celtics tonight as they go down to the Detroit Pistons. Man, I was ready to be very positive about the Celtics tonight. I really was because they had been on this unbelievable nine-game winning streak. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA really since the turn of the new year. Last game before the All-Star break, you get an opportunity to go in there on a 10-game winning streak. And they go down to the Detroit Pistons 112-111. to How concerning... Was this loss tonight? 617-779-7937 is the number. I would say the most frustrating thing to me about how this thing transpired tonight is what ended up happening in the fourth quarter of this game. Because it felt like the Celtics were in complete control of this thing. And they take control at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I should say midway through the fourth quarter, they really took control of this thing. And they ended up going up in this game. 106 to 98, and you felt like, all right, this thing is kind of over for the Pistons. They're not going to come back and win this game. But from that point on, the Pistons go on an unbelievable run, and the Celtics couldn't score. I mean, they Tatum ends up with this driving layup where it just seemed like the lane opened wide open for him. He took one dribble, gets down the lane, and nobody's there. He just dunks it. And at that particular point in time, the Celtics go up 108-106, and you felt like right then and there, okay, well, this is going to be where they turn it on because they let them stick around way too long, and they let them come back in the game. But the Celtics are going to end this. They're the better team. But that was pretty much it. After that point, it was Detroit that keeps coming back and Detroit that keeps making all the plays down the stretch of the game. And then you get to the big part where you're like, okay, the Celtics are going to win this thing because with 33 seconds left, Jalen gets into the lane, beautiful pass, kicks it out to Al Horford for an open three. He sinks it. The Celtics go up 111 to 110. So you need one stop defensively, and this thing's over, despite the fact that it was somewhat of an ugly game. You're still going to get out of this one with a win if you're the Celtics. But then Jeremy Grant hits this absolutely ridiculous shot that he would never hit again. Look, I like Jeremy Grant as a player. I mean, he went to the same school that I did, but there's no way he hits that shot like more than two out of ten times because Jason Tatum plays perfect defense. He shuts him down. Jeremy Grant's trying to dribble hard to the right side and get to the basket. He can't do it. So he's got to spin back into the lane. Jason Tatum contests the shot. His hand is in Jeremy Grant's face, and somehow he hits this fadeaway in the middle of the lane to put the Pistons up 112-111. And then the Celtics get another break. They get another break because they come down the court, and Jalen Brown 
dribbles into two defenders in the lane. It's actually a good play. They get Jalen going downhill with some speed. But give the Pistons credit, they shut it down, and then Jalen tries to score over two defenders. Okay, no chance at hitting that shot. you got two defenders there, and this is where the Celtics have been much better during this winning streak. They've been much better passing the ball, and Jalen goes into two guys and turnover there. But the Celtics catch another break after the Horford shot, okay? And then, of course, the Jalen miscue. You still have an opportunity to win this game because what happens? Okay, the Pistons can't get the ball in. They try to inbound the ball at 112 to 111, and the Celtics are obviously going to foul there and get to the lane. It, it, the Celtics catch a break there because the Pistons get a timeout after the Jalen miss before a foul from the Celtics. So the Celtics are trying to foul there. They don't get the foul in on time before the Pistons, of course, end up calling their timeout, which I thought it was a BS call that the referees actually gave them, or the officials, I should say, actually gave them that call. But here you go. Another break for the Celtics. They get inbounded here. The Pistons try to inbound it. They can't get the ball to Cade Cunningham. Derek White, with a phenomenal play, tips it away from Cade Cunningham. And then the Celtics have an opportunity. Again, they get a golden opportunity. And Ime Adoka says, all right, I'm not drawing up anything exotic. And this is not an indictment on Ime Adoka, okay? So don't go nuts here. I'm not. This, this is not me criticizing the coach. He's done an excellent job. I felt it was the right move. Give Jason Tatum the ball at the nail. Let him go to work. And Tatum does what he does. He gets an opportunity for a jump shot. Can't hit it, okay? And he's got a one-on-one matchup. I have no issue with Ime Adoka putting the ball in his best player's hand at the end of the game. He just tried going to his second best player at the end of the game. Drew up a nice play for him. And his second best player turned the basketball over because I don't even think that was technically a shot that Jalen took at the end of the game there. But nonetheless, either way you want to slice it, Jalen didn't come through there, even though he had a really good game. So you say, okay, I'm not screwing around this time. Let me give it to Tatum. I'll give it to my all-star. He's going to have, have an opportunity to close this thing out, and Tatum just ends up missing a shot. Uh, no harm in that. I mean, I would like Tatum to take that shot again. Now, maybe you could say you get downhill, attack a little bit more. I didn't mind it. It was a good shot from Tatum. Did not get the results you wanted. Now, here is the issue that I have with this game. I did feel like the effort at times was a little lackadaisical. You do expect that on the second side of a back-to-back. But the reality is when you're playing a team like the Detroit Pistons, I'm not going to use the Robert Williams, Marcus Smart absences, if you will, as an excuse in this one. If they were playing one of the elite teams of the NBA, if they were playing Milwaukee, if they were playing Phoenix or Golden State, I'd say, okay, justifiable losing that game. But the Pistons, you had so many opportunities late in this game to win it, and the Celtics couldn't come through. Al hits the big three. After that, you have another opportunity. You can't keep the Pistons from scoring. Although, like I said, I thought that was somewhat lucky from Jeremy Grant. But then you have an opportunity. Jalen Brown can't get it done. Jason Tatum, unfortunately, can't hit the shot either. So you had plenty of opportunities to win that game. And the other thing I would say, just as it pertains to the fourth quarter in general, it felt like the Celtics are going to run away with this game. Or not run away, but put the Pistons away when you go up 106-98. And then the Celtics, after... Essentially, you had Jason Tatum on that drive, as I mentioned, where the lane opened up way, way open. I mean, it's embarrassing from a Pistons perspective. But you have 425 left when Tatum ends up with that dunk to make it 106-108. The Celtics don't score for the next two minutes. They didn't score again until there was 244 left in the fourth quarter. So you went two minutes without scoring, three possessions without scoring if you were the Celtics with an opportunity to put this crap team away. And you couldn't do it. But my bigger issue tonight, just as it pertains to how the Celtics lost this game, is I felt like the defensive effort were there. Now, you had breakdowns at times tonight. But I felt like the biggest issue for the Celtics 
was not so much the efficiency offensively. It was more so the shot selection from the Celtics. Now, I know like it was awesome at one point during the game, like Grant Williams got red hot. But if you look at what the Celtics did tonight, they were taking shots that they're not particularly good at. So on the night, okay, yeah, you hit your corner threes. You were two for two from the left corner, two for four from the right corner. That, that's good, okay? You're four for six from corner three-point territory. Those are good shots. The Celtics are good at corner threes, especially as we all know, Grant Williams. But this is what pisses me off about the game. The Celtics on the season shoot just 33% on above-the-break threes. 33% of the season, that's not good. That ranks 23rd in the NBA. Okay, so what did the Celtics do tonight? They took 26 above-the-break threes. They were just 9 of 26, which is it's not a horrible number. It's 34.6%. So it's not a horrible number. That's not my bigger issue. My bigger issue is the fact that you took 26 when you attacked the basket, you were getting everything you possibly wanted in this game. And I don't know if it's attributed to the team being tired from playing the night before and playing the Philadelphia 76ers, although I can't imagine that's the case. Most of the regulars were done after the third quarter of that game, essentially. But think about it from this perspective. The Celtics, when they got into the restricted area, they had 20 attempts in the restricted area. So at the basket, they were 16 of 20. From floater range, okay, so outside of the restricted area in the paint, 11 of 15, 73.3%. So whenever you got to the basket, you were scoring, essentially. When you got into floater range, you were scoring at a clip of 73.3%. So I just don't understand why you didn't just keep putting pressure on the rim. They had no resistance at the bucket whatsoever. When Jalen or Tatum or, quite frankly, Grant Williams was driving to the lane at times during this game, when you actually attacked the basket, you were scoring at a very efficient level. So that's the biggest issue from my perspective, is why are you settling for all these above-the-break threes? You can get those anytime you want them. When you have a team that cannot defend the basket whatsoever, like the Detroit Pistons, Go to the basket. That's what irritated me. And I don't want to be sound so simplistic about this. I don't mind that the Celtics take a crap ton of threes. That doesn't bother me at all. What bothers me is when the game is dictating itself and you could actually see that, oh, they can't defend us at the rim whatsoever. That's what irritates me. Why don't you get to the basket more when it's clearly working for you? So that aggravated me. And, of course, the end of the game, the fourth quarter really did aggravate me as well. And then, in particular, somebody that's been so great for the Celtics team, over this stretch and has really been the main reason they've won nine straight games is Tatum himself. So if you look at Tatum tonight in terms of his shot chart, he was two for two at the rim. When he got to the basket, he was scoring. He was three for four from floater range. So in the paint, non-restricted area. So very efficient, right? You're thinking about a guy that goes five for six when he gets into the paint tonight. Okay. He goes oh from three from mid range. And two of six on above-the-break threes. All his threes, none of them from the corner, all above the break. So this is what does sort of, it brings me back to what we wanted from Tatum at the beginning of the season. And look, I'm not saying that this game is says a huge thing about the Celtics. It means they're not good and you throw away the nine-game winning streak. But this was an opportunity where, okay, Tatum's three is not falling. So just put your head down and get to the damn basket. And we've been seeing this a lot more from Tatum. And there's a reason for that. Tatum during this stretch, this nine-game winning streak, if you will, he was shooting north of 77% from the restricted area. He had struggled at points this season in there in terms of shooting from the restricted area. But as of late, his finishing has really improved. 
So that's what irritates me is you have something that's been working for you for the past nine games. Really, if you look at Tatum, something that's been working for him since the beginning of January where he's been getting to the basket more. And then tonight, last game before the All-Star break, he decides not to get to the basket, not to get to the cup at will. When there is no defender on the Detroit Pistons team, Jeremy Grant's a good defender, but he cannot stay in front of Jason Tatum. So he had all these opportunities tonight instead of just settling for these above-the-break threes and getting downhill and getting to the basket, and Tatum decided to go back to taking all these above-the-break threes. So the Tatum lack of execution or lack of awareness because he's been really good with this over the past month or so. I mean, that was just an aggravated game from Tatum from my perspective or aggravating game from Tatum, I should say. And then the fact that the Celtics have an opportunity to just put this team away up 106-98. You got to finish this thing off. It's the Detroit Pistons. It's not like you get Steph Curry on the other side hitting crazy threes or anything along those lines. You get to defend Kevin Durant. It's Jeremy Grant, a rookie in Cade Cunningham, who I really like. He's a good player, but he's a rookie in Cade Cunningham. What are you scared of? I mean, you got to put these guys away and come up with critical stops. And the Celtics have been so good defensively over this stretch. By far the best defense in the NBA. And you can't finish off the Detroit Pistons. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight tonight. So does... This loss say anything about the Celtics, or you just attribute it to an off night? 617-779-7937 is the number. Plus, I will give you a reason to feel optimistic about this team. We'll do that next year in EI. The home for Sox fans. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, here's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the Celtics fell to the Pistons 112-111. to Jason Tatum. Missed a game winner. The C's are now off for the All-Star break. By the way, some numbers from this game. Tatum finishes with 22. He was 7 of 15 from the field. As for Jalen Brown, big night for him. 31 points. He was 12 of 21 from the field. 3 of 6 from 3-point territory. And you had a big game from Grant Williams, who got the start. He had 17 points. He was 4 of 7 for 3. He had 3 rebounds. He had 3 assists as well. As for the Pistons, Cade Cunningham, the rookie. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. And Sadiq Bey somehow had a double-double, 20 points at 11 rebounds. So the Celtics now off for the break, as we mentioned. They return to the court on February 24th in Brooklyn for a date with the Nets. So that means that you're not going to see Kyrie Irving unless something changes there. Jason Tatum will, of course, be participating in the All-Star Weekend. He'll play for Team LeBron on Sunday night. The Bees have the night off. They'll visit the Islanders on Thursday night. The Black and Gold picked up a point last night in a 2-1 shootout loss to the Rangers. Baseball, Juan Soto says he passed on a 13-year, $350 million contract extension from the Nationals prior to the lockout. Soto not eligible to become a free agent until after 2024. And despite flirting with the Vikings, Jim Harbaugh decided to go back to Michigan. And today he received that new five-year contract. It's going to run through the 2026 season. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. Right, gets it in. Tatum takes it. The Pistons have beaten the Celtics 112 111. Wow. Mike, that is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. But the Pistons from the jump all the way to the end, they came to play. The Pistons have only won two of their last 14 games. You just saw one of them.
All right, that was Mike Gorman, of course, on the call with Scal after the game. So, any concern after losing to the Detroit Pistons tonight from your Celtics, who had previously won nine in a row, 617-779-7937 is the number. I rarely agree with Scal, but I do agree with him on this. Detroit brought it tonight. And I feel like that's something that the Celtics are now going to have to get used to, and especially tonight, a Detroit team that is playing for essentially nothing this year. Their goal is to lose games so they can get one of the big three in the draft coming up. They get Jamari Smith or Chet Holmgren, whoever, to go with the number one pick in last year's draft, Cade Cunningham. Like, their two objectives are get Cade Cunningham playing time, hope that we are right, that he's a franchise player. Now, you can go back and discuss whether or not they should have drafted Mobley or Cunningham, but that's for a different day. They have to make sure that they feature Cade Cunningham, have him play well down the stretch, and make sure that... They keep the ping-pong balls in a good position so they can get a really good pick in this year's draft. And by their record, they're in position to do so. But when they have a game like this, right, because it's so defeating when you're a losing team to go out there each and every night to know that you're the inferior team. But tonight you have a game against a Celtics team who had just played last night against Philadelphia. And you have a Celtics team that's on this nine-game winning streak. And over the past few days, the Celtics have been the talk of the NBA. So you've got to realize that from a Celtics perspective, if you're... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tatum. Now, Brown played really well tonight for most of the game, although I did not agree with what the hell he was doing at the end of the game. I don't get it. I mean, yeah, they drew up the play for you, but once you get into the lane and you see two defenders are there blocking you off, don't take some dumb fadeaway that's going to get blocked right back in your face. I don't know what he was doing at the end of the game there. That's when you're going to go back to what has made the Celtics team good over this stretch here, which is actually sharing the ball and passing the ball. So I thought that was, that was a dumb decision by Jalen. But the overwhelming point is this. The Celtics have got to realize that some of these teams, especially when you have this winning streak going, a team like Detroit, this is something that they could actually use as motivation in the game. Well, nobody expects us to beat the Celtics. We're going to come in here and play harder. And it's kind of like a dose of reality for the Celtics team where you're not the Golden State Warriors back from a couple of years ago when they had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green together. And it's like, okay, we can just, at the end of the game, we can just win it. Well, the Celtics, they couldn't just win it at the end of the game, right? You're not just so good where you can turn it on for five minutes. And look, there were signs in the third quarter. Grant Williams had one of the best games I've ever seen him play. I felt like the guy was never going to miss a shot again. But the point being is you have the Celtics, despite the fact that you've won nine in a row, despite the fact that you've basically been the best team in the NBA for the past three weeks, you can't approach a game like this. You cannot come into a game like this and not give it your all, even if it's the Detroit Pistons. You're just, at this point in time, you're not good enough to be able to do that. 
and that's the most disappointing thing about this one, is you had a crappy team come in here. You should have beat them. You didn't. And I do feel like, from a defensive perspective, I'm not telling you that the Celtics didn't give effort. It just felt like it wasn't the same effort that we've seen in previous games. And granted, I know you're without two of your best defensive players in Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, but how many uncontested threes were the Pistons walking into? Heck, I mean, just look at our old friend Kelly Olenek in this game. Kelly Olenek comes off the bench. He's three for four from three. None of those threes that he were t- he was taking were t- contested. Jeremy Grant, a guy that cannot shoot from the perimeter this year, he's shooting just 32% from three on the season. He was four of six from three-point territory. Again, I felt like, especially one in the fourth quarter, it felt like Jeremy Grant had forever to take a shot in terms of a three-point opportunity for him. And this guy that does not have a quick release whatsoever. It takes him a little bit of time to get his three-point shot off. So you gave him time to take threes. Sadiq Bey was getting wide-open opportunities. He had five threes on the night. So when you just add it all up, it was all these little things that end up leading to a loss. Now, I don't think this is a character flaw or anything this, anything like that about this team, but I do think it can serve as a wake-up call. All this good equity that the Celtics have built up over the past couple of weeks, I'm not saying all that is gone or thrown out the window, but I do think it's a reality check of, okay, how are we winning nine in a row? We were out-efforting our opponent, and it felt like tonight the Celtics did not out-effort their opponent, which is the first time we've seen that in quite some time for the Celtics. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. How concerned are you about the loss tonight, or you just chalk it up to an off night? Let's kick it off with Richard. He is in Providence. Hey, Richard. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Listen, I, w- I watched that game tonight. I got to tell you, on my Celtic meter, I'm very high on them. First of all, they beat Philly last night in Philly by 50. Mm-hmm. They've got they've won nine in a row. Detroit, as you accurately summarized, they played out of their mind tonight. They weren't missing a shot. Uh, the kid Cunningham was was incredible. Olenek, while you say he was uncontested, those shots were deep. If he could hit those with us, he'd still be with us. I always liked the best. Hey, never forget anyway. Game Seven, Richard. Never, never forget Game Seven against the Wizards. Remember that, right? And you know the thing <laughs> that I really loved tonight was the nickname that Scal gave to Grant Williams. Did you hear it? Yeah. What was it? Corner office or something like that? Yeah, the corner <laughs> off. I love it. I, I, I just and and he was shooting out of his mind tonight. I got to tell you what else I really love about this team right now. And then I'll tell you about the trade I've got and I'll hang up on you. Okay. Um because I know you got plenty of people waiting. Um the the trade that I want to see is I want to trade Jalen Brown. I want the 19-year-old kid that's playing for Golden State right now. He is unbelievable. Cool. I, I forget Kaminga? his name but yes. That type of young athleticism on this team will put us over the top. But Richard, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Richard, are you out of your mind? Listen, let me just say one more thing, and then I'll listen. And um, I love the acquisition of White. Now you can tell me why I'm out of my mind to make that trade. You want to give up Jalen Brown, a guy that trade. a guy that's already been an all-star in this league, a guy that had, what, 29 tonight. I didn't like to play at the end of the game. What do you have the other night? 30 points. I mean, He's too want, slow. He's too slow. His game is too the, – the game today belongs to the John Morants of the world. So I need – Richard, you do realize that – you realize that Jalen Brown is the best athlete on the Celtics. 
Maybe oh, Robert God, Williams. He's not an athlete at all. What are he's you talking a, he, about? He's a player. He's a player. The best athlete on the team is Williams. Okay, I said Jalen or Williams, a, but Jalen is a, like a 1% athlete in the NBA, which has the best athletes in the world. I don't know what the hell you're talking no, about. Your I, I issue with Jalen is his athleticism. I'm not saying that I'm not giving up a lot, and I'm not saying that it doesn't sound outrageous for this guy to be calling in in the middle of the night and saying, I would take that that young man from Golden State right now straight up for Jalen Brown, knowing how much I'm giving up, but I think it's the only thing I thought I think if they had that his athleticism on this squad that they could contend for a championship. Richard, that's one of the most asinine takes I've ever heard. I'm sorry. I mean, that is a horrible take. I mean, no, look, no, no. the most asinine thing was when I divorced my wife. But I hear you. <laughs> it, was, it was great talking to you, Brian. All right, good stuff, Richard. His line's open. If you want to grab it, it's 617-779-7937. If you want to trade Jalen Brown, like your idea of tr- trading Jalen Brown and look, I'm against trading, trading Jalen Brown. I'll say that. I want Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to continue to play together. Entering tonight, they had a 13.2 net rating when those two guys were on the floor together. Out of duos that have played more than 1,000 minutes together this year, that ranks second in the NBA. So the Celtics have been unstoppable when Tatum and Brown have been on the floor at the same time. So I'm against trading Jalen Brown. Plus, him and Jason Tatum around the same age, right? Jalen, like a year and a half older. I know they came out in back-to-back drafts, but Tatum was exceptionally young for his draft class. So I'm ag- and, and he's on a good contract, right? So I'm against trading Jalen Brown. But if you were going to trade Jalen Brown, the conversation about trading Jalen Brown is for a star player. You're looking for another guy to pair up with Tatum. So you would be looking for Damian Lillard. That's the type of player you would be looking at if you were going to move Jalen Brown. Bradley Beal's a free agent. We'll see what the hell happens there in Washington. I'm out on Bradley Beal. The guy's been a below-average shooter in the NBA for two years. I'm sorry. And the guy plays losing basketball consistently year after year. Okay, I don't want Bradley Beal. But I'm saying it's those type of guys that have been all-stars in the past. Jonathan Kaminga, the guy's a crazy athlete. I get all that. But he's also 19 years old. He's shooting 30% from three-point territory, and he's averaging 7.9 points per game. He is still, at this particular point in time, a lottery ticket. He is a nice rookie. Not even that great of a rookie. He's okay as a rookie. But he is an unproven commodity. It, you realize what would happen if Golden State, if you called up Golden State right now and said, hey, um, Bob Myers, get an idea for you. It's Brad Stevens. Uh, yeah. What's up, Brad? What do you think about uh, Jonathan Kaminga for Jalen Brown straight up? Bob Myers would think it was a prank phone call. He would think it's a prank phone call. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. I understand the Celtics lost tonight. And also, what the hell is he talking about? Jalen's not a good athlete. Jalen is as twitchy as they come. He's one of, like, the premier wing athletes in the NBA. Like, if you're going to criticize Jalen for something, it's he turns the ball over too much, right? That would be something to be critical of Jalen of. Or the fact that, now, this recent stretch, he hasn't been injured for a while, that he ends up getting hurt a lot. I mean, that is definitely something true. With Jalen Brown. But to say that he's not a good enough athlete, I mean, that is a ridiculous take. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Dennis. He is in Lemonster tonight. Dennis, what's up, man? Hey, not much. You guys? Doing well, my friend. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, I just heard this guy talking nonsense about trading Jalen Brown. He is out of his stupid mind. <laughs> Sorry about the uh, the language, but how are you going to get a guy, a 19-year-old, <laughs> to pair up with uh, with Jason Tatum right now? 
The yeah. chemistry would not be there right now. Dennis, well, you know what else would no. happen? You know what else would happen? Tatum would tell Brad, you just did that to me, trade me. That's what would happen. Tatum yeah, would have to be traded if that happened. Definitely. I agree. I agree. I totally agree. But, hey, listen, like, uh, I was just calling because, I mean, I was just um, watching the game, right? But there's still some calls on uh, this referees will not actually contribute with, uh, with the team. You know, I was making a little bit of research about this uh, young guy, second-year referee, um, I believe his name is Scott. He was, he was the one who actually tossed up um, Kemba Walker. Um, what, 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 call did you have an, what call did you have an issue with, Dennis, in particular that you're referring to? You know, um, the, the call that get, uh, on, the, uh, on Williams, all those fouls that they call on Williams, like, you know, they were just automatically, whoop, there was a foul on him. No matter what he does, there was a foul on Williams. They were just, they were just trying to get one asset of the Celtics so that the uh, Celtics don't get a uh, this uh, 10 in a row game that they, they were going. So you think, Dennis, you think the Pistons, I mean, you think the officials wanted the Pistons to win tonight? Yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, uh, they were the, on the uh, take. The officiating of this game, yep. they were not, they were not in sync. Yep. One was saying, like, you know, Celtics, one was saying Detroit. Like, then uh, at the end, they were called jump ball. Are All you right. serious? All right, Dennis. So, yeah, Come I mean. Now. Make a decision. Okay. All right. Appreciate the call. So, Dennis says they're on the take. The, the officials are on the take tonight. We got a big scandal tonight that the officials wanted Detroit to win this game. So I, I don't know if they're involved with some sort of bet, a betting entity or something. Betting entity, entity, I should say. Tough for me to say. I don't know what's going on. So we got one guy tonight that wants to trade Jalen Brown for Jonathan Kaminga. And by the way, the, my favorite part about that was he didn't know his name. You know, the 19-year-old for Golden State. Gary Payton? Yeah. <laughs> He didn't even know his name. He wants to trade Jalen Brown for a guy that he couldn't remember his name. Probably was up late one night and he saw this kid play one game. And he is like an exceptional athlete. Like, unreal athlete. I'm not denying that whatsoever. But he probably saw him have some crazy dunk and he said, that's the guy. Not for for nothing. I did look into the speed part of things as he was saying it. I was like, I don't even know if this would be true to some random advanced metric. And I still don't know how they calculate it. But Jalen Brown... Is, is significantly quicker on the on the floor. Actually, Jason Tatum's faster than both of them. <laughs> By the metrics, Jason Tatum is quicker than LeBron James. So do you trade Tatum because he's not quite as athletic as somebody else? No. I mean, it was a ridiculous take. It, it was a horrible take. But I, I don't know how... Like, if you ever... He clearly watches the Celtics. I don't know how you could ever come away from a Celtics game and think that Jalen Brown is unathletic. The guy's been an incredible athlete since he stepped foot in the NBA. But, I mean, geez. I've heard, like... I. I've done shows here for a long time, so I've heard a lot of Jalen Brown talk. Because remember, there was this whole discussion, which, from my perspective, was absolutely idiotic for about a year and a half about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't play together. I thought that was a garbage take from the beginning. But I was entertaining these calls where people would want some star player for Jalen. And I understood that, right? If you're like, oh, maybe they can get Damian Lillard. Like, okay, I understand those calls. But to say some young prospect on the Golden State Warriors – that he's probably not even going to be. He may not even be in their playoff rotation. We'll see when Steve Kerr cuts down his rotation when we get closer to that point in time. To say that's the guy that you're going to use for Jalen Brown, I mean, that would be one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. And then the second call we get tonight is a guy that thinks the officials tonight were on the take for the Pistons. It's not happening, okay? The officials are not on the take for the Pistons whatsoever. Remember that whole Donahue thing? It's not going to happen again for the NBA. But just think about this tonight, where the Celtics, it did feel like the intensity defensively, 
Because I don't want to use, like, effort. Like, the effort wasn't there. No, but they didn't play with the same fire that they've been playing with as of late. So if you look at tonight's game, the Detroit Pistons, who came into tonight's game with the 29th-ranked offense in the NBA, and they were dead last at effective field goal percentage, which, of course, counts in for three points, three-point attempts. So if you look at them tonight, they were 16 of 30 from the field. That's 50 or 16 of 30 from three-point territory, rather. That's 53.3%. Okay, 53.3%. They shoot on the season 32% from three-point territory. They are 29th in the NBA. Somehow tonight they go 16 of 30. And as I alluded to, a lot of those attempts were wide-open attempts from the Detroit Pistons. The tracking data is not out yet, but a lot of those attempts were wide open tonight just from watching the game. You look at them from the field tonight, the Pistons, 43 of 93, 46.2%. So if you look at the Celtics during this winning streak that they've been on, now, they've been playing much better offensively, but the main part of the reason they're winning is because of their defense. So, during the winning streak, opponents were shooting just 37.5%. Tonight, that's up to 46.2. And by the way, during this stretch, the second-best team in the NBA was Cleveland at 44.1. You look at, in terms of some of the other metrics, in terms of where the Celtics are at during this winning streak, they were averaging 7.2 blocks per game. During this stretch, they end up with six tonight. If they have Robert Williams, they probably have a couple of more blocks. They had their blocks, but it felt like to me, it's not as if like Detroit was just driving them to the basket. It was they were getting wide open shots. And if you look at Detroit on the night, they are 13 of 26 on above the break threes. And the reason they're 13 of 26 on above the break threes, which is I mean, that's a really good number for above the break threes. Ordinarily, like, for example, the team that leads the NBA and above the break threes and in large portion because of Trey Young is the Atlanta Hawks. They should they shoot 37.6% and above the break threes. You look at the Detroit Pistons on the season. They are 28th in the NBA. They shoot just 30.8% on above the break threes. The only teams worse than them, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Washington Wizards. Tonight, you look at Detroit, 13 of 26 for 50%. That's the game right there. Even despite the fact that the Celtics had opportunities late, if Detroit's just not hitting all these open opportunities from three-point territory, whether it be Jeremy Grant, whether it be Kelly Olenek, if they don't hit the Sadiq Bay, if you don't give up all those open three-point attempts, you win this game very easily. And even if you just contest those shots a little bit, those guys aren't hitting them. I mean, you contest Jeremy Grant shooting a three, he's definitely not hitting it because it takes him an hour to shoot the damn ball if you watch the game tonight. So it was just the fact that the Celtics had felt they didn't properly bring the energy that was required to win this game. And even despite all that, they still should have won it at the end, and yet we're sitting here and Detroit comes away with the win, and they spoil the Celtics from going into the All-Star break with a 10-game winning streak. I do feel like, in some sense, it is beneficial to have a loss like this just to kind of wake you up, because you got to be feeling good about yourself if you're the Celtics, and deservingly so. They've been playing unbelievable basketball during this stretch, but it's got to at least bring you back and say, all right, Next time when we come back out on the court against the Brooklyn Nets, and ordinarily you're going to bring more energy against that team, but who knows? Durant's not going to be there. Kyrie's not going to be there. We'll see if Ben Simmons is going to be there. Who the hell knows? Although, if I was the Nets, based on everything that has gone on with Ben Simmons, I'm not putting him out there with like a random group of guys. I know they have Seth Curry, but other than that, it's not a really good team right now. Joe Harris may be out for the season until they get their stars back. When they get their stars back, it's 
we'll see. It's going to be, it's definitely a really talented team. But I wouldn't put Ben Simmons out there without Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving because that feels like it's a recipe for a disaster right now. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. Oh, I did want to get to something positive from this game tonight. We'll do that next here on EEI. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. So how concerning was this loss tonight for the Celtics? One thing I will point to, and obviously you don't have your best rebounder tonight in Robert Williams. And not to say that Robert Williams fixes everything that happened in this game, but obviously it's a big thing. And this is what I'll say just briefly about Robert Williams before I get into this in greater detail. That's the one thing that does concern you about Williams is every year it seems like he's missing time with something in terms of some issue that he has. And look, hopefully this isn't a serious thing, and the Celtics at this particular point don't think it's a serious thing. They said the same thing about Marcus Smart as well, that it looks like he's going to be back after the All-Star break, not anything serious in terms of the ankle sprain or anything along those lines. But Robert Williams starting to get more minutes this year, where he goes from 18.9 minutes last year to 30 this year. And you look at Robert Williams in terms of his track record, rookie year 32 games, Second year, 29 games. Last year, 52 games out of a possible 72, of course. And this season, he's played in 47 games. So when you add all that up with Williams, that's your one concern. Where now he's day-to-day with a calf issue. And it always seems like it's something different going on with Robert Williams as it pertains to injuries. And I say that because he's been so good this season for the Celtics. 10 points, almost 10 rebounds per game, 2.2 blocks per game. He's closer to three blocks per game during the Celtics winning streak. So the one question I have about Robert Williams is just the durability of him because he's done so much for this team. It's not just defensively. He opens things up offensively. And you've heard Jason Tatum say it on multiple occasions. I just love playing with Rob. He said it over and over again because the Celtics really haven't had a guy like Robert Williams since Jason Tatum has been here, right? You think about Al Horford at this particular point in time, and really throughout Al's career, never been a great athlete, but he's more of a pick-and-pop guy. Daniel Tice can roll to the basket a little bit, but he's not the type of athlete that Robert Williams is where he can just throw it up. I mean, really what you got to think about in terms of a pick-and-roll partner, it's like when James Harden had Clint Capella in Houston. Clint Capella was just a vertical spacer. So what that does for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, when you do run a pick-and-roll with those two guys, Robert Williams is just going to put that pressure on the rim. Right, So it opens everything up, and the way that Tatum has been much better as a distributor as of late, which he did again tonight to his credit, even though the Celtics lose this game. Tatum does finish with five assists, although all five of those were in the first half. But nonetheless, Tatum's close to six assists per game since the 21st of January when essentially Ime Doka called him out after he had a bad shooting night. He said, how else do you affect the game when your shot's not falling? And we've seen Tatum since that point really become a much better distributor. He's become a much better passer, really, over the past month and change. But so if Jason Tatum is running a pick-and-roll with Robert Williams, he's going to dive to the basket, and if Tatum's driving, either he's going to have the edge to get to the basket or they're going to have to close that off, which means he throws it up to Rob. Or if the defense takes the guy from the weak side over and brings that guy in to be able to try to counter Robert Williams and Jason Tatum's covered, well, then Jason Tatum is able to swing the ball into the corner for a three-point shooter. And if it's Grant Williams, we know he's not missing because Grant Williams during this run is hitting 67% of his corner threes. And by the way, in the season, he's shooting 51.1% from corner three-point territory, which is the best in the league of anybody that's taken 90 corner threes on the season. 
So he makes your offense, does Robert Williams, very devastating. Obviously, Tatum plays a large part in that, and Grant Williams has to hit shots. But that is something that the Celtics, quite frankly, have not really had in their arsenal since Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown came to the NBA. They've never had that big that would roll to the basket and put that kind of vertical spacing on the rim. Tristan Thompson sucked when he was here. Now, he would roll to the basket. The problem is he isn't the type of finisher and not the type of athlete that Robert Williams is. So it gives this team a different dimension from an offensive perspective. But the problem is he needs to be able to stay on the court. And I'm not saying panic because he's dealing with a day-to-day issue as it pertains to his calf. But you need Robert Williams down the stretch. And that would be one concern is just the health of him, especially considering the fact that he's going to end up playing significantly more minutes than he's ever played in his NBA career. And he's going to play significantly more games than he's ever played in his career. He's already played the most minutes ever in his career this season. And we're just entering the All-Star break now. 14.08. Last year, he's at 9.85. So he's already surpassed the most minutes he's ever played in his NBA career. And we've seen, even with fewer minutes, his body tends to have all these issues and all these different maladies. So that is one concern going forward is the health of Robert Williams. I've never questioned the player's talent and his athletic ability and all that. He's become much better defensively and he came into the league as a good defender, but he's taken his game to the next level as of late. My one question about him is the durability, but just in terms of the absence without Robert Williams tonight, who is your best rebounder? Obviously Al Horford does a great job with that as well. And Jason Tatum is one of the best rebounders at his position in terms of from small forward slash power forward position. He only had four rebounds tonight. But if you look at one of the issues that the Celtics ran into tonight is second chance opportunities for the Pistons. And a lot of that leads to open three pointers. The Pistons had 18 offensive rebounds tonight, 18. And if you look at it on the season, the Celtics are okay when it comes to avoiding offensive rebounds they give up 10.4 per game so you're talking about almost seven and a half or more than seven and a half extra rebounds than you ordinarily give up so yeah some of it is Robert Williams is not in the lineup but also part of it is this team's just got to do a better job rebounding especially some of those offensive rebounds just wide open opportunities and quite frankly one of those happened late in the game and it really cost the Celtics where you felt like okay you played good defense you forced a bad shot, and then all of a sudden an offensive rebound trickles out, which is unfortunate for the Celtics because down the stretch, for whatever reason, they couldn't hit any damn shots. And secondarily down the stretch, it felt like the Pistons were catching, and I'm not saying that the whole game was luck, but they were catching a lot of breaks down the stretch of this game, unfortunately for the Celtics. But, man, it just you look at it, 18 offensive rebounds. That's a lot to give up. That's a whole lot to give up in terms of that, right? And, I mean, it was Cade Cunningham missed a shot, and the offensive rebound came out. And So <laughs> the biggest thing, though, to take away from this game is just from a Celtics perspective, they've got to show up every night. And even when you don't have all your guys, even when you don't have all your weaponry and your artillery, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you got to do a better job than this. You cannot lose these type of games to the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, you're 34-26, and 26, and you end up losing a game. Maybe it helps you in the long term that you kind of get that armor, if you will, and you realize, okay, we got to fight back when these situations are going on. We can't just be good enough to win against any team of the NBA and just go through the motions, and we got to take care of the boards. It's been an issue for the Celtics for a couple of years, not particularly this year, but that kind of crap can't happen. You can't give up 18 offensive rebounds. Okay, I understand that you almost won the game, 
But that's a big difference maker in the game. And the other thing is, and this is something where I'm not going to get on the Celtics too hard. And now, there were some open opportunities for them in terms of their three-point attempts. But the Detroit Pistons probably will never have a game this season again where they go 16 of 30 from three-point territory. They're one of the worst shooting teams in the league, and they hit 16 of 30 attempts tonight. Probably not going to happen for them again this season. All right, 617-779. 7937 is a number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into, including this. I want to mention I want to get into this real briefly. How many teams would you say unequivocally in the Eastern Conference the Celtics cannot beat in a playoff series? We'll get into that next here on EEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.